Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Shane Douglas, ECW's original world heavyweight champion. Right now, you're watching the number one wrestling podcast on all of Long Island, Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. The Monty and Pharaoh Show. And you're watching the Monty and Pharaoh Show. Monty and the Pharaoh. With Monty and the Pharaoh. 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 Monty and Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. And Monty and the Pharaoh. Oh, is it Monty and the Pharaoh? Monty and Pharaoh. The The Monty and the Pharaoh show. Monty and the Pharaoh. To the Monty and the Pharaoh show. And it's Monty and the Pharaoh, baby. Monty and the Pharaoh. With Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Oh. What a rush! We've got the future Hall of Famer, that rocker, Marty Janetti, MJ in the house, and I'm sitting here with two more future Hall of Famers, Monty and the Pharaoh. We're doing that stuff and we're going to rock it. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast scene only here from Village Connection Radio live from Rockstar Studios. A special Saturday edition and at the board is my super producer, Mr. Stephen Miller. Stephen, how are you, my friend? What's up, Monty? Good to see see you. Thank you for covering today, sir. We love you so much. And to the right (laughs) is the star of the show, Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Jimmy, how are you? Hello out there in TV land. Back again. So we just got back from the big event. It was... uh, 
great day for yeah. pro wrestling, at least for me. Yeah, it was really wild. You were like smiling all day. You okay? Yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good. All right. And then That's I'm smart. driving back, and all of a sudden, in my car, suddenly appear <laughs> none other than UWF superstar, Mr. Sonny Beach. Suddenly appeared. Ah. Right. Mr. USA Tony Atlas. Yeah. I was trying to take the hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs> and one half of the Orient Express, Mr. Pat Tanaka. How are you, Pat? Hi, you know man. Karate. It's an honor to he be knows here. Karate. Right. He knows yes. karate. If yeah. anyone could have been in the car ride here, I got to know. What is the deal with that, Pat? How come every Chinese guy knows karate? You know, I, I was thinking that to myself on the way here, and uh, it was, I think it was Tony that was saying something about being stereotyped. Yes. Right? I think yeah. so. You? Never. We can't tell it. Talk about why. You oh. were talking about a stereotype about so you, you know why not guy. you know yeah exactly <laughs> right. why is everybody why is everybody, bla- what is everybody oh. blame the black man for well, because we're always into shit <laughs> what, <laughs> what does that mean what well, we, we always into something we would we would let up I was always into shit my so mother would look at me and say boy what are you up to mm-hmm. every day she said boy what are you up to well you know we was always into something. So if it wasn't hubcaps, it would be something else. Well, yeah, what on earth? Still hubcaps, you oh, know, yeah. chickens. You didn't take him back to hometown, did you, Sonny? Hometown. You <coughs> showed him the hometown, did you? Yeah, did we took him to Northport and we showed him a good was time. Was he doing to the gym? gym? Was he taking notes for future the house reference? Of <laughs> the, the, the beach. Sonny, uh, yeah. Sonny, terrible. Sonny was posting pictures, man. Nice. You guys were having sushi yeah. last night. The, the, yes, the nice manager was loving Rambico. it. How Jason Irish, big shout out to Jason Irish and Wait a minute, now you guys stereotype, but you didn't invite me to go have sushi. You already know why. You already know why. You wouldn't eat sushi with us. Are you kidding me? Okay. You like sushi? Oh, well, I know you're in South Dakota now. Say, eat me. Come on, man. <laughs> Dude, could, you, could you imagine eating sushi off Pat Tanaka's stomach? Yeah, oh, come on. Make a sushi. So anyway, uh, Miko, man, great place, right? Miko was a great Tony, place. Tony, what's your review on Miko? I love it. Yeah? It, it was fantastic. I got my octopus and everything. Uh, and then crispy I'll, duck. Right? And, and then, and then I, Sonny uh, took me to show him his gym and everything, and he took me into his place, and I felt real good because that was the first time that I've been into a white person's house where they were staying at home. <laughs> There you go, Tony. I feel like we're still in the car. We're still in the car. We're still in the car. Northport's a tough place. It is. Oh yeah, it's it's a scary town, Northport. (laughs) (laughs) You might trip over a crack on the side. Oh man. Not me. I would have picked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Nothing better than some drug humor. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I want to lose focus on this show a little bit. Uh, this was a tribute to Rocky Johnson, who unfortunately passed recently. And I'd ask you guys to weigh in and maybe tell the fans out there your experiences with Rocky Johnson and your memories with Rocky Johnson. Whoever wants to start, by all means, have Well, it. the first time I met Rocky Johnson was uh, in Florida. He was working in Florida by uh, Eddie Graham at the time. And Bob Root uh, was the booker. And I was supposed to just go around upstairs learning the business and everything. And I remember when I walked in the dressing room, I was getting dressed, and one of the wrestlers come and said, just wait till Rocky see him. Because Rocky was already yeah. the man with the bill. So, Eddie Graham told Rocky, and uh, Maniac Mark Lauren. Yeah. Maniac Mark Lauren. He said, they're going to take you back to Tampa with them, and you're going to ride with them all week. 
So I said, okay. So they take me to the hotel and everything, uh, where I was staying, the boys stay at. That's the first time, uh, and uh, the next morning, <coughs> they take me, we went to the next show. And uh, uh, Mark Lewin was a, a heel. So back then, heels and babyface couldn't ride together. So they tell me to, to uh, wait till they go to the car, uh, and, and Rock and say, we're going to go around and pick you up. We don't want the fans to see you getting in the car but because you're a babyface. So I said, okay. So I'm sitting in the parking lot. I'm sitting in the parking lot. I'm looking. It's a van. And this van is going back and forth, <laughs> back and forth. It was the only van in the whole parking lot. I'm, there's no cars in the parking lot, but there's one van. All of a sudden, this guy get out. And this girl get out. They kiss. The girl get in the car. She drive off. The guy looked at me. His name was Crick Draw Rick McGraw. Mm. And I said, Rick said, why are you still here? You got some, you know, you, you know, you, you got some rent waiting on you or something? I said, no, our rock is going to pick me up. He said, man, them guys gone. And they left me. Now, the first time I met Rocket. The second time I met Rocket, they wanted me to pick him up at the airport and all this stuff while working in Georgia. So, wait a minute. That was just a rib, though, right? They wanted to teach you a lesson? I mean, what was I, that all about? I could not tell you. I, I, you know, I, I doubt what he did. I don't okay. want to tell you what I experienced. I don't know if they were ribbing, but they left me. I mean, I was a new kid in the business, and they left me. I went to the, 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 the next town. I got to give Rocky credit for this because I was so pissed off about it. I said, all you guys do want to do is just fuck me around. I said, I'm quitting the business. Rocky said, no, kid, don't quit the business. He did stop me from quitting the business because I would have quit right then and there. Right. I was so pissed off. The second time I, I met Rocky, uh, I, I, he was coming in out of Georgia because they had Georgia Championship Wrestling. And when the first time that wrestling was on cable television, it went into 48 different states. The only states that didn't go into was Hawaii and Alaska. But people saw George Shepard wrestling all over the world. The guys came from all over to be on Georgia wrestling because it went everywhere. So we became pretty good buddies. We hung out a lot. The, then I met him. Uh, I, I was with the WWF there. I got pissed off for some stupid reason. Uh, and I left. When I came back, Rocket was there. At first it was me and SD Jones, especially Liberty Jones. And when I left, they brought Rocket Johnson in to replace me. So my, I was living in Los Angeles at the time. So I took it as uh, Vince Senior said, I want to team you guys up together. He said, do you need uh, some time off to go to L.A. to get your car? Rocket stepped up and said, no, uh, uh, don't worry about it, Vince. I got two cars. He could use one of mine, but now that the fact that we are tag team partners, he could ride with me. That's my first night back mm -hmm. after Fucking up. Yeah. So I, he take me to the hotel, and he said, "We got we got to go to Hartford, Connecticut. We stayed in New Haven. The show was in Hartford, which was like thirty or forty miles away." So I'm sitting there waiting on Rocket, and, I, and the lady asked me in the front desk, "Said who are you waiting?" On? I said, "I'm waiting on Rocket Johnson." Oh yeah, oh well, I like I love him. Is he's coming here? You think he was signing a paper? I said, "Oh yeah, I'm sure he will." So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there. Back then, the show starts at eight o'clock. Seven o'clock, you got to be at the show. So when 7.30 rolled around, no rocket. So I caught a cab, took a cab all the way to uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Rocket in the dressing room telling jokes to the guy. I said, Rocket, what happened? Well, I came there, you wasn't there. I looked all over the place for him. That was the second time mm -hmm. he left me. Finally, we got so much heat between us, we got in a big fight in the dressing room. That's when Vince Jr. took the belt off of us. That's when Vince took the belt off of us. Oh, he always screwed me. There were only two guys 
in this business that ever done me like that. Rocky Johnson and Tagger Conway Jr. Tagger Conway Jr., I was playing in and out of Houston for Paul Bosch. Yeah. And uh, the people in Beaumont <coughs> wanted to see me because I never went nowhere but Houston. Mm-hmm. But Beaumont was like 80 miles away. So this guy, I was sitting there waiting on Tagger Conway to come and pick me up uh, from the uh, uh, air, uh, hotel. And a guy called, just by luck, his name was Gary Young. The bowlegger right there, Gary Young. He called the lead message because he knew I like country music and I like going out to honky tonk bar. And he said, "I got this. I got my buddy going to fix you up some brisket. You know, brisket, mm-hmm. some good Texas brisket." And he said he's going to have a special thing for you, Tony, when you get back from Beaumont before you go back to Atlanta. So he said, "What the hell you said? Don't let the hotel. Ain't you supposed to be in Beaumont tonight?" I said, "Yeah, I'm waiting on waiting on Tagger." He said, "Tony, if they're not there by now, they ain't coming to get you." He said, I'll be right there. Gary Young, on his day off, put me in his car, drove me to Beaumont. And I got there, Rock and his father, Tagger Conway, uh, uh, I mean, Tagger Conway Jr. and his father, Tagger Sr., was on their way to the ring. Looking for me, I got there just before that match went on. So when Sr. saw me, he automatically went back in the dressing room. And, and Paul Bosch, I told Paul, so he left me. He said, it's not tag of responsibility to get you here, Tony. It's your responsibility. He said, the moment we didn't show up, you should have went to the freaking airport and, and got a rental car and drove here yourself. Don't depend on other guy for your ride. Mm-hmm. He said, now just drop your bag and go into the ring just the way you are. So um, and the unbelievable, the people went freaking ape shit because I'm walking to the ring stripping. I walked to the ring stripping, and the people thought that was part of the freaking show. They didn't know I was fucking late, and they thought it was fucking great. We had our match and everything. I got back in the dressing room. I punched Tagger right in the fucking face. <laughs> I tried to knock that son of a bitch in the, in the middle of a fucking next week. His father and everybody jumped in to pull us to pull up off. But Paul Bosch, God bless him, he never used me again. But then when he sold the t- sold his territory to Vince, one of his stipulations, he said, "I have to have Tony Atlas on the card." He said he was my biggest draw. Yeah. He said I, he made he made me so much money. He said I have to have Tony. That was the stipulation that he gave to Vince. So that's why if you look back when Vince had that thing, I came back to do that one show for Paul Bach. But Rocky and me and him later on we became the best of friends. A couple of years ago, me and my wife were doing real bad, and uh, I was a little bit short on the money. My wife and his wife were talking, and then uh, his wife <coughs> tell my wife to go to the the the, the Walmart. And there's something there for me. And the money that old Rocket gave it to me. Wow. So he wasn't like a bad guy. Rocket uh, sold Bill Watts a dead horse. He found some papers that were this race horse, but the horse was dead. <laughs> so, so he told Bill Whoa. Watts. He told Bill Watts. He said, he said that. He said, I don't know what to do. I'm going to another territory. I don't want to take, I don't want to take this. I don't want to take this with me. He said, I don't know what to do with my horse. It's a great horse. It runs a lot of races. Bill said, what's the name of the horse? So he showed him the paper and everything, all the, the stuff about the horse. Bill said, oh, yeah, that, that, that's a great race horse. He would have used it for what called stud purpose. Yeah, yeah. He go to check on the horse. The guy said, oh, yeah, that was a great horse. It was a shame he did. He died. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket was gone. He sold S.D. Jones. See, Rick Montel never lived in America. He always lived in Canada. He just came here to work. And he, the only days off, he'd go back home to Canada. So one time, S.D. Jones just started. This came from Antigua. He uh, and uh, Johnny Ross trained him, and he needed a car. So he, he made a good paycheck. Rocket said, hey, S.D., you know, instead of riding with the boys and everything, uh, I got a car that I can sell you at a good price. So S.D. bought the car, 
And he went to try to get the car registered. He couldn't get the car registered because he don't the car do not belong to Rock. It belonged to Rick Montel. So he went back when Rick Montel came back from Canada, Rick won his car back. So now S D said, Look, Rick, he said S D said, Look, Rock, says uh 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 the car don't belong to you. You got my money. He said, Why didn't you give my money back so I can go buy my car? And uh Rocket said, Where's the lesson paid for? Because SD car kept breaking out. SD, right. but the time is funny, but the time SD was so poor, him and his wife, his pregnant wife, used to sleep in their car. He couldn't afford to get an apartment yet. Wow. And the, and the first check he got, Rocket took it. And he said, Well, you just learned a you just learned a valuable lesson, kid. But Rocket was known to to do stuff. He got me fired but before I even got hired. They, in 1997, I believe it was, they brought me back to do something with The Rock. I made four appearances on, uh, on Monday Night Raw. Right. I mean, yeah, Monday Night Raw. Uh, and uh, The Rock was actually rocking my veers then. And the woman that had The Rock to jump in the ring with his father and everything. Yeah. Well, what Rock did, he was in, we were sitting in the dressing room, me, him, Billy Jim, and, and Rocket, and a bunch of other wrestlers. And they got to talking about stuff, him and Steve Labotti. And Rocket said, the only reason you stay here, Steve, is because you suck in Vince McMahon dick. <laughs> 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 then the, the next day, the next day, Labardi come up to me and said, Tony, this is the first time you're getting fired without doing anything. <laughs> I said, what wow. the fuck do I have to do with it? I didn't say it. Guilty by association. The angle was with me, Rocket, and, and Alpha told me what the angle was. They didn't want me to go out and say, I carry the rock. The mm. Rock was right. this. Uh-huh. I mean, I carry Rocket. Rocket was nobody. He, he Which would have been a pretty good program, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, that's what he wanted to do. And then he wanted me, because I was still in pretty good shape that time, to work with Dwayne and put Dwayne over. But then they called me and said, we, we decided on going on a different path. Mm-hmm. But good or bad, me and Rocket, we had our ups, we had our downs. But at the end of the day, the last thing that Rocket said to me, I said, Rocket, get well, man. I said, because, you know, I, 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 we want to see you. And Rocket said, I will, man. He said, I love you, brother. I said, I love you too, brother. So we we left this earth on a good note. Then one day I did sit down and talk to Rocket. I said, Rocket, why are you trying to fuck me? He said, it wasn't against you, Tony. He said, you're young, you built, you're talented. You ain't too smart. But he said, the way the territory was, there was only room for one black on top. Mm-hmm. They had a pecking order. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just rocking, so the, all the older blacks knew that if another black guy come in, the only person that could replace Rocket Johnson was another black guy. So that's why all my friends in wrestling was white. I didn't have any black friends. The only black friend I had was Ernie Ladd, S.D. Jones, and uh, Rufus R. Jones. But when I was with Rufus, Rufus was a top man, I was a bottom man, mm. see? And then when I was with S.D., I was a top man, S.D. was a bottom man. With Ernie Ladd, he was a booker. He was like a mentor. You know, he didn't care what position was in. Ernie was just a total. Ernie Ladd was one of the greatest people anybody ever met. You can't find nobody saying anything bad about Ernie, Ernie the Cat Ladd. But with me and Rock, we were two top guys. So Vince was not going to keep. And it wasn't like it was just with Black. Mr. Fuji blocked every Orienter in the world. If you was Orienter, Fuji, he, he did it to Tor Tanaka, he did it to Saido. That's why the only Orienter wrestler that anybody know in the WWF is Mr. Fuji. There he goes again. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> but, but there was only room for one minority on top. Chief J. Strongbow 
did the same thing with every Indian. That's why you never saw Wahoo McDaniel, who I thought was the best. That freaking Italian. Yeah. What's he yeah. doing? Jules, I'm sorry. Jules yeah, but, 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 that, but that's <laughs> how it was. But that was right. his gimmick. Right. So, so if, if with Wahoo to, right. to, uh, to, to, was a threat to him. Right. So all the ethnic guys was fighting against each other for the top position. And, and so I didn't know none of this stuff until after my career was all over. That's why I didn't really blame Rocky because Rocky didn't do it as hatred. He didn't do it to me out of spite. He did it to me on a survival because they was gonna they were gonna fire Rocket when I came back. And Peter, my veal wife, uh, uh, talked to Vince Senior and said he got a kid, you know, he got a right. family. Don't 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 fire Rocket. He got nowhere to go. He said, let him stay. So Vince came to me and said, What do you think of of, of you and Rocket tag team? He said, if you want him to go to him, I would get rid of him tonight. Vince Senior told yeah. me that. And I said, no, I think it'd be good. I think it'd be a great thing. And then history was made. We're going to take a quick quick commercial break, and right after that we're going to return with one half of the AWA Tag Team Champion, Mr. Pat Tanaka, and me with the Rocky Johnson story. All right, welcome back. Uh, we want to reach out and thank Aqua Cherry, who does yes, the theme sir. song for Monty Nefaro, Straight to the Top. Aqua Cherry. Yes, sir. Aqua Cherry's music could be brought on Reverb Nation or Where Music Sold, mm-hmm. and uh, big up and coming band, which we love. Pat Tanaka, welcome aboard, sir. How you doing, guys? All right, Good, man. man. What's going on? Good. Oh, I'm just hanging up. You know, listening to all these stereotype things here. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Were you on Fuji's list? I was, you know, <laughs> unbelievably. <laughs> Fu- Fuji, I wonder why. It wasn't because I ate sushi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was um, it was great being with Rocky because um, I work with him in Tennessee. You know, um, Jerry Jerry motion, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's when I turned heel on Jeff Jarrett. Uh, we branched out, and I started working with Rocky. And I tell you what, man. God, working with him was just a dream, man. I mean, because if you think about it, here I am, um, about 160 pounds, you know, about 5'8". Rocky, you know, sitting there 6'3", just, you know, incredibly huge, you know. And I tell you what, man, he had no problem. No problem selling for him, putting me over. Sky, man, he would just do anything, you know, and it was great. I mean, think about it. I mean, guys, I mean, it'd be like Tony, you know, me and Tony working. I, it just looks so awkward, you know. So when that. Why, well, because I'm black? Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> why I'm saying that. <laughs> yeah, and especially Rocky was black, you know. Was he? No, he was not. No. And there we were watching the show he was white. Samoan. Yeah, that's <laughs> <what he was. laughs> Yeah, I knew, there was, I knew there was something different. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was just a big tan that he had from Hawaii. Uh, you know, but um, you know the, the story. What a day! You know, with Rocky. What a lovely day! And these guys, you know, being stereotype guys. You know, me, I, I just look at him as, you know, hey, man, we had a great match. We had a good time, you know. But, no, honestly, he was one of the greatest guys ever, He was a good man. guy. I mean, really was. Yeah. And uh, 
I'm sure everybody's done, you know, stupid things in this business, you know, especially to stay alive. And, oh, yeah. You know, Survivor I mean, was the key, yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, every, everybody has, you know. Yeah. And and for myself with Rocky, I mean, we've had nothing but good times. And I remember, oh, God, I can't remember what year was it. He invited me down. Or it wasn't him that invited me down. It was somebody invited us to Rock's birthday at the Madison Square Garden. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, no. Oh my God! How many years ago was that? That was so long ago. Did Foley do a bit on that? By the way, I remember Foley doing something with The Rock. I wonder Foley? if he did it on Big Foley. He might have. He might have been, uh, you know, busting on The Rock's birthday as part of a skit. He uh, he had done. Uh, stuff yeah, like that. I can't remember. Everybody okay. was there, but okay. it was just a party. Oh, oh wow. there were no matches, <laughs> nothing like that. It was just a big party. Gotcha. And. Uh, what happened was we were kind of like crazy at that time. It was me and Janetti and all. I, I mean, me crazy is like me yeah, just having a beer going? or something, you know. But uh, I think you got a little bit deeper <laughs> after that, you know. And uh, what happened was um, at the end of the night, Rocky goes, "Batman, he goes, I got to talk." I said, "What's up?" He goes, "You're, uh, you're in yours and Marty's bill, Marty. you know." Uh, we got to take care of him. I said, yeah, no problem, man, you know. And he goes, Pat, $35,000. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him What was her go, name? Huh? What, what was, was her name? name? You know, and that's what I was trying to figure out. What was her name? Yeah. Um, that's a lot of money. It was, and it was, uh, it was not her. It was him. <laughs> it was uh, Jose. It was him? <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to start talking about the real road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 oh. It was Mr. Corvo. You know, and uh, <laughs> it was, cra- and, and Jack, you know. Right. So, sure, I mean, sure. We had all, Wait a minute, $35,000? 35000 No, it was Tequila? not an exaggeration. It was nothing like that. It Down was, the middle or more Marty or more you? I want to know. I'm, gonna, right. I'm just going to bury him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been out with both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Sonny. Could you, could you hang with them, though? No, not on my bed. It's like I'm checking out. Oh my God! All jacked like a, up, you a, a, a the six-pack th- kind of guy. After that, I'm done. Wow. You're done. Oh, interesting. I'm calling it. Well, to tell you the truth, I don't even know if I can hang. I don't even know if I can hang with them. He drunk that hard liquor too. Yeah, beer hard liquor. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Well, it's the thing right. was is that I think our bill wouldn't have been that big if <laughs> if if like me or Marty. I think it was. I can't remember yeah, which one it was. Jose Cuervo screaming out. Everybody gets around, you know, on oh, us. Oh, 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 okay. Here we go. So I think, you know, buying like, you know, a thousand people every 20 minutes a drink, it's going to cost you a lot of money, you know. And, and that was the thing. I mean, he was we, a worker. We thought we'd get a discount. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you thought you'd get it free. And we did get a discount, you know, but... What was it, 50? You got it for 35? What are we talking? You yeah, no, I, I, they, gave us, they gave us a 15% discount. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. 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 You know? Yeah. So, you know, but I remember Rocky's face when he was just going, Pat, really, man? What are you doing? What happened? <laughs> I don't remember. I've been drinking all night. <laughs> you know, and he goes, I think so, you know. And, and Marty, Marty's hiding under the table. I don't remember why, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and, I, and then, you know, he came out and I started hiding. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, it was both of us. So, who settles a $35,000 bill? Well, what happened was we all had to chip in and, chip in. and pay it, you know, and uh, it was kind of like, oh my God, man, this is awful. And 
it was funny because the I just talked to Rocky when was it uh, right at Christmas time before Christmas, and he goes, "Ah, Merry Christmas, Pat." You know everything. He goes, "Still haven't paid me back that fifteen thousand dollars I shipped." Yes, yeah. Now you tell that. Now you talk about the real guy. <laughs> and I go, "Well, Rock." I think it went all up our noses. Uh, <laughs> yes. I got one more rocket story. I hope I can tell this. You can tell whatever you like. This probably going to off Dwayne. Oh, he was there, though. Okay. All right. We were in Allentown, Pennsylvania. They do TV. I don't, I don't know if y'all was around there. They do TV in Allentown. Mm. And then they, on the next day, we do TV in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. They tw- it's 25 miles apart. So Vince, you getting pissed off about all the boys getting drunk. Party with the girl and we're late for the sucker TV taping. We had to be there at 12 o'clock, but it's only a 30 minute drive. So I'm riding with Rocket and I get up in the morning. I go to gym with Sika. Me and Sika go to gym together. We worked out. We come back, we had breakfast, and then I'm sitting there talking to Alpha and Sika. And uh, I said, Well, let me go get my bag because I got to meet Rocket. So Rocket said he's going to leave at 11 o'clock. So 11 o'clock, I was standing in front of his room. Uh, his wife comes out to talk to me. Uh, not the one now, but Ella, and then I say her name, and the Samoan woman. Uh, was it Ida? I think. Uh, Leah. Leah yeah, Leah. Leah. And she said, yeah. Oh, I have to get Rocket some food. And so I said, Oh, I'll walk with you. So I'm sorry to leave, and I see Rocket. This is Rocket Room, but they had these jointed room. You know, when you go through the indoors, jointed room. What happened? Rocket, when his wife left out, Rocket had his girlfriend in the other room. So he oh, would, God. Yeah, he would go He would go in the other room. Man. He would go to the other room and be with his girlfriend. He kept saying his wife to do stuff, but he'd go be with his girlfriend. I didn't know this. Come me and SD shared a room together. And uh, so as I was walking away, somebody told me to look back and look back, and Rocket was, was in the other room, in his girlfriend's room, saying, Signal to me. I said, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> Signal to me. You know what he said? Get her out of here. Right, yeah. What happened? Dwayne got waving up. Back. Wait, Dwayne, he was a kid. No. And he got up. He shut the door. Now, Rocket can't get back in. He had to come outside to go into the room. Oh, man. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. She thinks that Rocket is up at the restaurant. Right, right, right. So she get ready to go to the restaurant to get Rocket. Said Rocket would get the food, let me go up here and get him so we could go. She's gonna walk me back to the restaurant. Rocket is not at the restaurant, he's in the other room with his girlfriend. So finally, wait, back up a little bit. Vince made a because guys were late for the show, he said, anybody that's late for the show, anybody, they he gonna charge them five hundred dollars. So I didn't want to be late, that's why I was at his room at eleven, because he said he's gonna leave at eleven. So anyway, I go back, uh, I, I walk up to the the room when we got halfway to the restaurant, Rocket said, "Where are you guys?" He come out the room. Where are you guys? I've been waiting on you all all day. Where the fuck you been? <laughs> come on, we gotta go. So we get in the car. We drive like hell to get to Hamburg, and this girl is following us the whole time. It's following us. I look back and who the, who the fuck is this girl? So we get out. We walk there. <laughs> Vince Senior 
and standing there at the door, pissed off. We could tell when the man had these handful of, of, of silver dollars, they do them like this. <laughs> <laughs> silver dollars, he's going just like this. I can tell he's like pissed. Stick Robert said, don't worry about it, brother. I'll take care of it. I, I would explain to the vent so you don't get in trouble. I said, okay, thank you, Rob. So I go in, not knowing nobody, get dressed and everything, went and did my match and everything. On the way back, Vince Senior called me and said, Tony, he said, I'm going to have to find you $500. I'm not going to find Rocket because it's not his fault. It's your fault. The next time you want to go to the gym, go earlier. Oh, my God. That was Vince. You know he did. Oh, I know what he did. He went and told Vince that he was late because he had to wait for me to to come from the gym. Oh, and I God. said, Vince, that ain't, that ain't what happened. Never mind, Tony. It already been done. Don't be late no more and walk away. Wow. We're going to take a commercial break. We're going to hear from former UWF champion, Mr. Sonny Beach. I had to tell that. Mr. Sonny Beach. So first... uh, Congratulations on the new episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, you want to tell you. a few people what's gonna, what's coming up uh, well, with you involved? Yeah, uh, they're doing a special on Herb Abrams for the UWF promotion, and uh, it's going to be airing sometime this season. I know we shot it back in November here on Long Island, our parts to it. Brian Blair, Mick Foley, a lot of the UWF people, Lenny Dude, one of the executive producers from the beginning of UWF, he's on there. Um, tells a story about Herb Abrams, how he lived, how he died. Um, a lot of inaccuracies about Herb were corrected, hopefully, uh, on the taping. Some stuff that people didn't know. He did have a good side about him, but, you know, he also had his demons. So they're going to show the whole, you know, from A to Z with Herb Abrams' story. So I think, uh, you know, they did a really good job, the producers uh, on uh, Viceland TV, about the Herb Abrams and about uh, a few of the other things that they, uh, you know, cover. And I know they did a Chris Benoit story, mm-hmm. Road Warrior story, Jimmy Snuka. I think Dr. Um, D. David Dr. Schultz. D- David Schultz. Brawl to um, settle it all, uh, uh, the war. So like I think they did one about Owen, Owen Hart. Yes. So they, they did a lot of good segments. I think uh, season two is going to be even bigger <coughs> than, than season one. I know Tony was with the Bruiser Brody story mm-hmm. with Dark Side of the Ring, uh, the first season, which was one of the best, uh, you know, I think thought it was uh, – very in-depth and very educational, and I think it was true. I mean, to have a person that was there in the mm-hmm. dressing room when Bruiser Brody was murdered, I think, uh, I know it's hard for Tony to talk about even till today, but, uh, you know, most of the stuff that, you know, we covered with UWF and Tony covered with the Bruiser Brody story, you know, this is what the real life every day, you know, besides wrestling, this was life of the wrestlers and the promoters and, you know, day-to-day, you know, the ins and outs of the professional wrestling business. Well, I think that UWF story is a, uh, you know, not a lot of people know the story, right? Because the, the, the organization really did. didn't get off the ground that it could have. I, and I mean, I, I recommend it because I loved, I loved the UWF when it started, and that, that's going to be a hell of a story. I mean, if he had more funding, I think Herb Ramers could have done a lot more than what he did. But I think, that, you know, <coughs> what, what he had to work with, he did a pretty good job at, you know, for the short time he was here with us and in the wrestling industry. But I think... Uh, you know, the story's going to, you know, set a lot of the record straight. And I think, you know, with with the guys that lived it, you know, Brian Blair, Jim Brunzel, uh, the Killer Bees, uh, Paul Orndorff, Cactus Jack McFoley, um, 
you know, Dr. Death and Bam Bam Bigelow were, you know, uh, feuding, you know, head to head. And uh, Dr. Death, I think, was the first UWF champion. And, um, you know, about some of the shooting with Steve Ray and Dr. Death, you know, it tells a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good stories to tell about it. And I look forward to it. So, Rocky Johnson. What do you got for me, brother? Rocky Johnson. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, so I used to watch Rocky when I was a kid growing up. I mean, uh, Rocky was a few years older than me, and, uh, you know, just talent, you know, to people like Tony. Pat was down there in Tampa, you know, when, when I broke in. Pat used to referee, you know, as a kid. And, yeah, we heard. And uh, Pat's got, Sorry, you know, man. great stories. And, you know, <laughs> we got to get to that. <laughs> I never got to wrestle against Rocky or, or anything like that, but Hero, I got to watch him a lot. And, Jacksonville, Florida, and growing up, and then when you know with Vince <coughs> and stuff, and we were on a couple of the same cards, you know, later in his career, and that went, I did a couple of independent shows that he was on, uh, and um, just a great talent, you know. I liked his work ethic, you know. He would work out hard in the gym, you know. You mm-hmm. can tell by looking at him and Tony, you know. They put a lot of time and hours in the gym. People don't know Rocky was a great boxer too, mm-hmm. you know. He, he should have mm-hmm. been a pro boxer, yeah, you know, and uh, not too many people know that, yeah. So, he sparred with Larry Holmes and all them guys. I mean, he was, he, was he, was a, he could have been definitely, you know, a, a top-ranked pro boxer, heavyweight yeah. boxer. So, What I am curious about, uh, we all know his son's charisma. We've all seen his flamboyancy, and his, he's a TV magnet anytime he's on. Right. Was Rocky Johnson, and did he have some of that? Was that an untapped source? Because we never got to see Rocky... You know, really, I'd like do skits or do promos, like an extent, like the way we see The Rock. Did he have some of that in him, or we'll just never know? Or if you, have a, if you if you take a match and and and, and Sonny take the same thing, this man came too. And you look at Dwayne Johnson wrestling in the mm-hmm. ring, you see Rocket. That's yeah. true. He walks like his dad. He wrestled like his dad. He's a splitting image of his dad. But how about the talking? Do you think that yeah. if Rocky Johnson had been he given had a it. mic, yeah, but he, he, have done he had the gift of gab. I'm yeah, very yeah, interested yeah, yeah, to know. He had the yeah. gift of gab too, but you got to realize okay. back then, a lot of, well, even today, is worse today than what it ever been. Uh, you had you some say-so to what you would say, oh, yeah. but they never put Rocky in a position where Rocky would do all could the shine. Okay. Would really Not shine. that way. All Rocky, right. one of the biggest problems was, and I have said this many times, and I respect Rocky for this, and we were talking about it in the car, mm-hmm. there was a lot of nigger calling, name calling, laboring um, to blacks from other whites. To make money, you had to go along with it. Like the first time it happened <coughs> to me, uh, George Scott, I told George, I said, George, I don't like every time I go in, the, they come to me one of them nigger jokes. And uh, George Scott said, you don't like that, huh? I said, no. I said, I'm going to start punching motherfuckers out in here. And George said, oh, no, 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 you don't want to do that. He said, get heap with the boys. You don't want any problem with the boys. The same people you meet on your way up, you meet them same people all the way down. He said, but I can tell you a little trick. He said, this is what you do. He said, when they tell you a joke, I want you to tell them this joke. So he told me a black joke. You know, I said, why would I join them? He said, just do what I said to him. So I did. I took it. They told me a black joke. I told them a black joke. They told me another black joke. I told them another black joke. Then they found out it didn't bother me. So once they found out it didn't bother me, I would come to the bars and I would go and I would tell them a black joke. I told them, you don't want to hear that shit. Go ahead. So they just left me alone. Right. But Rocket, first of all, is Canadian. He's not American. Right. He's from Canada. It got to him. He didn't like it. Rocket wanted to be res- be respected as the same. He wanted the same respect that that uh, another guy to have a problem with was Thunderbolt Patterson. Oh, see, yeah. Ernie Ladd, Ernie Ladd took it. 
You would be a what? I yeah. heard a lad. But do, do you think that is why Rocky treated people like he like because, he treated you because, because he's anger and not being respected? I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it was anger. Mm. I think it was Rocky was constantly, constantly fighting for the same respect and <coughs> white wrestler was getting from each other mm -hmm. and Thunderbolt Patterson was in that same category I mean Bobo you could call him a Nebby Walkaway you could call the, uh, the Rufus R. Jones you could call Tony Atlas you could call him but not Rocket Rocket and Thunderbolt couldn't handle that they couldn't handle that racial talk you know but that was just the boys during that time especially during the 70s what I'm talking about is where I first where it was a lot of it in the 70s not so much when Sonny came but I right. started you know in, in the 70s where about 60% of the wrestler had KKK cars mm -hmm. in the pocket. So I asked a George Two-Town Harris, who was a Klingsman, I said, why do y'all dislike black people something? And this is what he told me, I never forgot this. He said to get me out of speeding tickets mm -hmm. in North Carolina. Because mm -hmm. half of the police department in North Carolina during that time were Klingsman. Right. See, we keep forgetting, the, me and Rocket, we was history, we were the first black champions in wrestling, and it happened in the 80s. It didn't happen in the 60s. Mm -hmm. It happened in the 80s. And then if you look back on it, Vince brought me back. But he never bought Rocket mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. When me and Rocket lost that belt, that was the end of Rocket's career. He was at the hype of his career, and they never picked him up. When WCW started, Thunderbolt Patterson never got booked again. Because he, these two were two guys. Rocket had another problem, too. He was not racist. Rocket was not racist. So Rocket figured if he liked a woman, he didn't care if she was blue, white, green, he liked the woman. Mm -hmm. But Rocket figured he could just date any woman he wants. What he didn't know, the worst thing that Rocket could be around during that time was a white woman. Mm -hmm. He knew it, but he kind of, he was like the old Jack Johnson, the first black world, yep. world champion. Okay. I mean, in 1910, Jack Johnson was dating white women, you know. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of people in the business at that time that didn't go for that. When I first started in the business, George Scott told me, said, Tony, these are the rules. Keep your mouth shut, do as you're told, and stay away from white women. Those are the rules. And I asked him why. He said, well, the blacks is not going to like it because they think you're too good for... Uh, to be with your own can. Mm -hmm. And he said, the white just don't like it. Mm. He said, just remember that. If you want to keep fans... I just you, don't like it. Yeah, you have to... Rah, give, rah, rah. You know, you got to give the people <laughs> what they want, the fans they like. <laughs> and that was just... That, that was just the way the world was. See, we're a 400-year country. The country is 400 years. Mm -hmm. Me talking to... to, uh, to Sonny, talking to you, talking to you, talking to you, is only 50 years old. So we just wow. now, as America, living together, and, and people are still not used to, right. even today, True. people people are well, still not no, used no, to. My question is a pack. Growing up in wrestling, did you face the same kind of trials that Rocky Johnson or Tony Atlas? Are you no, a family? No, I wasn't stereotyping. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. No, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, honestly, man. The Asian kid knows karate. Yeah. 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 I didn't fucking worry about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, for me, for me, when I when I was in this business, I was a kid, man. I didn't, I didn't care. What, I didn't know. And how I, old were you when you started? Please shoot. Tell. I was young, man. I was. I think I started refereeing when I was 13, 13 14, 14. Yeah. and, uh, oh. and oh then, uh, so, I mean, really, race was not there for me. It was age 
then. You know, okay. you got all these big stars that are older and everything. They're telling me this. They're telling me that. So I, I pretty much, because when you're when you're that young, you're idolizing whoever is on top, mm-hmm. and you're idolizing the guys on bottom because they're teaching you all the way up. You're stepping up everything. You, everything you learn, you know, you're learning from the. Think about it, icons and, and, and people that are important to you, right? So you're listening to them, you're, you're learning everything. Now me, I, I was listening to a lot of wrong people too, you know. I mean, <laughs> Drink this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Try this. Try this. Marty Janetti. Now Marty was growing up with me now. I'm around for a long time. Yeah, I, and that was the thing, you know. I mean, now honestly, you know, the guy that I started riding with when I started refereeing was Jake. Jake the Snake. Oh boy! You know, That's and, your first and then Rick Flair. Huh? It was me, <laughs> Jake, Rick Flair, Roddy Piper. I oh. mean, Magnum TA, uh, nice. Dusty Rhodes. I mean, I got to ride with all these guys. Every well, I wasn't riding. I was driving Barry with them. All those guys. Oh, you were the driver. I was the driver. There you go. You know, and uh, so you had to stay straight sometimes. No, nah. <laughs> We used to have a shirt. Now, in Florida, do you remember this, Tony? It was a shirt. Remember this? It was a shirt called Leader of the Pack. Whoever drank the most beer on the way back from the town or to the town wins the shirt. So it used to be either Magnum TA, okay? It was either Magnum TA, Barry Windham, or who was the one? Uh, Piper. Right? They would drink like 52, 53 beers on the way back, wow. you know? 53 beers. You'd have to yeah. have a cooler full of beer. You right. would ride back. And, and, and three beers. What are you talking about? You know, and that and one, a lot of guys did that. Oh, my God. I mean, that I mean, was the like, average guy after every show. Every, every show. Had a baloney blowout. <laughs> oh, guys, <laughs> we're just going to take a quick commercial break, yeah. and then we'll come right back. Remember less story. Well, look, the, the fans don't know, but we took about, I don't know, 40-minute drive together. I heard stories oh that God. blew me away. So I'm going to ask a few things that triggered me, and please, if you don't oh want to talk man. about them, don't talk about them. But if you want to talk about them, please do. Hey, this is the Monty and Farrell show. Anything goes. Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh All right, God. so Sonny, I was hoping you'd tell the fans out there that Cheek story. I'm, I'm going round robin, so it's going to wow. go this way. Or, <laughs> He's right. like me, my <laughs> We were on an overseas tour one time, and we were in Santo Domingo, and we were coming back, uh, you know, international. We went through Miami at the uh, international airport in Miami. And down there, you go through customs when you come back. And Sheik's, you know, been known to party a time or two. And he likes his gimmick, and he's done everything from A to Z, so he had some gimmick with him when he was coming back through customs. So the little customs dog, they got the drug-sniffing dogs and everything there, were coming through international customs. All of a sudden, the dog goes crazy on Sheik, runs up to Sheik, <laughs> does a beeline right towards Sheik, the dog. 
starts going, <laughs> you know, and he sits down right at Sheik's feet. Sheiky, nice doggy, nice doggy, nice doggy. The doggy knows Sheiky here, Sheiky, Sheiky. And the customs agent's looking at Sheik, and he was the customs. Thank God he was a wrestling fan. He goes, "Oh, Iron Sheik, can I have your autograph? Hey, how you doing?" She, oh, it's okay, Bubba. How are you? He goes, "You have a nice little doggy here." Doggy. <laughs> so the Sheik gives him an autograph, and the guy looks at him, and the dog's going crazy on Sheik, and uh, she goes, "Okay, I have to go to get my bag. Goodbye, goodbye." And you know, and the guy's just looking at him, shaking his head, and he knew the dog was going crazy, right. and doing what he's trained to do, and he let, let Sheik go. It was like unbelievable. And I'm like watching Sheik's getting busted. Big international, you know, drug incident at Miami Airport. We're all going to be in the paper and the news wow. and everything. And Sheik talked his way out of it, just petting the dog. Nice doggy, nice doggy. Walked off and Sheik, it was Sheik seemed to get out of a lot of stuff. Then he goes, right? Sunny Beachy. Does his gimmick. Sunny with the abs. He goes, I can't believe it. The doggy dumped the Sheik. The dog dumped the Sheik. I mean, he really, I mean, Sheik was the scariest guy in the world to be with. He really was. Like we were in, and we were going to Canada. We were driving through Winnipeg. So anyway, it was me, uh, uh, Duggan, and uh, I think it was Paul. I'm not sure who was with us, but anyway, we get stopped at the border. We didn't get stopped. I mean, we pull up to the thing, you know. And then Sheik's driving, and we were sleeping. Sheep so, driving. Yeah. <laughs> He's laughing at sheep driving. Yeah. That's your first mistake. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and Duggan put sheep behind the wheel? Well, well, we fell asleep. And, what and was on well, the Duggan's agenda that night? Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, 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 I got a quick chances. question for that. Because according to Duggan, from what I remember, the only one time he drove with the Sheik was the time they got caught on the New Jersey no. Turnpike. Well, no. So hey, wait a minute. This no. is even Duggan. better. Okay. Now, listen. I mean, this is... We're sleeping. So he goes ahead and he pulls right up to the fucking thing and we're sitting in the back and I'm waking up and I'm going, she, we're supposed to stop like three, three or four miles back to put away everything like this. And he goes, <laughs> oh, don't worry guys, we'll be okay like that. Okay, he's talking right in front of the guy and I'm going, oh, okay, <laughs> great. You know, and I look down, there's a beer, there's a joint in the ashtray and I'm going... Are we okay? <laughs> <laughs> so the guy's looking at thing and he's going, "Do you want to back up and get rid of that stuff?" Hold. Like that? And uh, no one wants goes, to bust the Iron Sheik. She goes, "I don't know what you're talking about." Oh my god! I go, "I do, I do." Go backwards. does it again. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, he goes, he goes, vibes. Uh, he goes, besides that can and that thing in the ashtray, do you have anything else in here? And he's going, I don't know what you're talking about, Officer. <laughs> oh I got, and I'm going, Sheik, the trunk, the trunk, man, we got to get out of here, back up, man. He's going, shut up, Patrick. Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, are you kidding me? I'm WWF. We're <laughs> jumping. <laughs> Get out of here. He did. He did. He did. He Yes. He let everybody know it. Yes. Yeah. He did, man. He's going to know it after you talk So this is what he does. He goes, don't worry, officer. He pulls out this big old package of fucking pictures of himself. Right. Santa. I autograph every one of them for you. 
I've seen it a thousand times. Okay, yeah. I autographed yes. everyone. They for loved you. them. So yeah, that guy handed it to him. He goes, he goes, uh, you gotta pop your trunk. He goes, why? <laughs> I'm going, oh God, please, we're going to prison for the rest of our lives now. So anyway, there's a case of beer right back there. He goes, he goes, she guy goes, I got a ticket. He goes, no, <laughs> you're not taking my beer. Like, damn, we're all going, take it, man, take it. It's a fucking know? case oh, yeah. of beer. Yeah. Oh, keep taking yeah. it like that. And he goes, there's an ounce of pot right below <laughs> yeah, it. Nice. Uh, I knew there was something underneath the beer. And I'm going, we're going to prison for the rest of our lives. You know, we're all going. And then, that's not even, that, that's not even, I mean, because I, I knew what was under the pot. Oh, here we go. It's yeah. getting worse. Yeah. You know, you've got blow in there, and we're oh all my. going. So, like, there's levels, right? What's under the Liquor, marijuana, cocaine, and eventually, if you dig far enough, heroin. Right, you know, and so, if you dig deep enough, you never know what you'll find. Yeah, exactly. So I mean we just said I mean I said I mean I told him I said, man, I said, you know what? I said, I'm not feeling good. I think I'm just gonna stay here in the state. I'm gonna call someone to pick me up <laughs> and they're going, No, man, we gotta we gotta go through this stuff, you know. I'm going, Gotta go through what? All your bags, everything. Oh I'm looking God. at you. We're all going, We're gonna kill you. Duggan's going You've got to be fucking kidding me again. Because this is after. This is after. After. Oh, shit. And I remember this so clearly because he was so pissed off at Sheik already. Because, you know, Sheik thinks anything's okay. And, and, you know, you got to love God love him because he's so naive. He's setting his ways. Well, he's really naive. He thinks it's okay because he's the world champion. Well, he thinks he's a god. Right. He does. And, and, And... that's come so dangerous mm. because I remember when we were in Canada, okay, I'm not going to mention any names. There was someone getting in the car and they were getting laid and everything. And she comes up to the window and goes, does this, you know, <laughs> you know, all this shit. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, she can get a blowjob. Sheiky, baby, get a little too? <laughs> like she that. And the guy looks up and goes, Sheik, no, not right now. You know, he goes, I'll come you doing the share with Sheiky, baby? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, so anyway, you know, the guy, no, man, get up. Yeah. So we all go up to the room. We're all hanging out, Jafari. And then they come up to the room. The girl and the guy come up to the room. And he goes, oh, now you want Sheiky, baby. Oh. You know, and the girl goes, I don't want anything to do with you. Oh like that. And he goes, I am WWF world champion. What are you talking about? I get. She goes. I don't give a fuck who you are. You're not gonna touch this. I get. She picks up the phone handle and just wham right over the top of the head. Knocked her cold. And we all just went. Then did Cheeky have her? No. Oh. We all. Yeah, that turned it right then. Yeah. We're gonna go to a quick commercial break and then come right back. Austin. All right, welcome back. Uh, sticking on the sh- subject of the sheet, Tony, you, uh, this is a wrestling markout question right now, okay? So we all know Bob Backlund dropped the title to the Sheik. Did Backlund have a problem dropping the title to the Sheik? No, he had a problem dropping the title to Hogan. See, what it was, 
they sent a note to the office. They wanted a wrestler that was uh, over six feet tall, over 300 pounds. Among some of the people was Gavron Monsoon, John Stur, Andre the Giant, and Hulk Hogan. When it came day for the audition, the only person uh, that showed up for the audition was Hogan. So Hogan got the part, which was probably the best thing for the movie. A lot of people say it would have been Andre should have been the, in the movie, but Andre was making plenty of money, was happy. Monsoon was a promoter of New Jersey, so he didn't need Plus, senior money. didn't want you guys, them, you guys to do a movie. Well, they want a big guy to be in the movie. See, a lot of guys were making good money. They don't think about a lot of wrestlers. Mm. They would pass up a, a lot of other opportunities because they were... They didn't need the money. So it's like it's the same way today. You call a guy, you tell him I give you X number of dollars, or he don't need the money, then no, I need this. You know, so the other guy they're not gonna show. Some guy if you don't pay him hundred grand, they're gonna sit home. You call a lot of guys, I give you a thousand dollars. Screw you, I'm not working for a thousand dollars, you know, and they won't do it. Well, that it was always been that way. Well certain guy they wouldn't work for a certain amount of money. You know, Sonny could tell you this. But anyway, make a long uh uh story short, Hogan's is selling out Everything the person that gave Hogan his break was Vern Gagne. Hogan never got a break in this business. I was going to wrestle Hogan one day in the garden when we did our mm-hmm. Major Grand Vince Sr. come in and said, Tony, what you want to do with the big dummy? And Hogan sitting right there, Man. you know. But, but they, it, wow. yeah, but God, well, he, they, they wasn't doing nothing with him. Wow. He was in Georgia. Ole Anderson wow. would use him in Georgia. Wait, oops. I don't want I don't want to keep it on Hogan because you told a story which I had never. But heard. No, no, this is the beginning. Go ahead. This is the beginning. And so, and, and, and so Hogan, Hogan made a deal. He said, the first day I come there, I want to win a title. Backlund said no. Because Backlund was that old school. If you can't... See, a lot of these old-time wrestlers, the, the, the champion back in the old days was the best you could have. And the thing about wrestling that is different then than what it is now is when you park your car in, in the 70s or in the 80s, you park with the fans. They had no separate, they had no separate between the fans and you. We had territory. <coughs> we didn't fly anywhere. So we went to the same towns every week. So you was always among the fans. And they were scared to put the belt on somebody mm. that couldn't really defend himself in real life because you get your butt kicked kick in real life. Right. Come back then... People, they they kayfabe. If there was kayfabe, they didn't want the, the people to know that it was a show. They back when they, back when they didn't think he was tough enough. It's basically what you're telling me. Well, yeah, because he didn't have an amateur background. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he, you know, he never he never wrestled or have a, a, a amateur. Now his brother, on the other hand, a Hogan brother, was the toughest guy in Florida. It, it was in Hell Angel. Everybody know about his brother. Right, you right. go to Tampa. Mm-hmm. You ask about Hogan brother. People started wetting on himself. <laughs> what I hear, I never wow. met him. Yeah, he, I think he died. But he was. Yeah. What I hear from people, he was the roughest sob, and he was bigger than Hogan. Mm. Hogan was small compared compared to about his brother. He never Very talks cool. about it. Bro. I never hear anything about it. I didn't even know he had a brother. Okay. So I went to Tampa. He didn't get back to my store. So they had to take the belt off of Backlund. So half of that match was half work and half shoot. <coughs> because the towel, the towel, what the, 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 they knew nothing about. So you're calling a screw job on a it? A screw job. The same. Wow. They did the same thing. They did, when I they never did, heard that either. When they did the same thing to a uh, uh, Wendy Richter, and they did the same thing with the hardboard. You remember when Bret Hart lost? What sure, did Shawn Michaels sure. do? Sure. God got out as quick as possible. He got the fuck out of there. Because 
the hearts, every one of them, was what we call mm-hmm. shooters. They bust yeah. you up, for I real. I mean, they yeah. were, they was rough. Well, especially rough. against Shawn Michaels. Yeah. 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 I could beat the shit out of Shawn Michaels. Well, that's not true. Why did Janetti beat me up? So what they do, they had to put the belt, they had to put the belt on, 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 on the sheep because the sheep was the only person that Bakla respect. But even when I sat and watched the match, I don't think Bakla was going to give it up. Mm. You would have to take the belt off. We had a, what started this was a, they was always scared of shooters getting the belt because they all wondered how we going to get it off. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They started with Ed Strangler Lewis. Yeah. They mm-hmm. put the title on Ed Strangler Lewis. And, he, and, and, and every time they wanted them to drop that, he wasn't drawing money. Right. The money is the bottom line. He was not a good drawer, but he was the toughest SOB in the wrestling world. So they couldn't get the belt off of him. So then they was afraid to put the belt on anybody that that you know that they could lose you know, that's Carl Gotch well, when not putting Rocket down Bro, you know when, they, when we won the title I won when we lost the title I didn't just won we didn't even lose the title I wasn't even in the ring right you didn't even get in there because I wasn't going to go for it but and, hold on I want we're talking about Rocky Johnson. You win the tag team title. In my opinion, one of the greatest moments and most important moments in wrestling history. But you told me a story I never heard. That in 81, if I got the time right, Senior was going to make you the WWE champion. Can you tell that about, story, please? Well, what happened was, the, the, uh, what what I was told by a couple of guys that were real close to the office, like Captain Lou I. Banner and Chief J. Strongbow, said they're going to go all the way with you if you don't mess up. They said they're going to put the belt on you and SD. The day that they supposed to put the belt on me and SD Jones, I got pissed off, jumped in my car, and flew to L.A. and stayed for a month. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew where the hell I was at. When I came back, Rock was there. But they planned, well, before I'd done that, they were going to put the belt on me and SD Jones. At that time, the Moon Dog was in Japan. They were supposed to come back from Japan, and they was going to take the belt off of us so we were like what they call the intermediate champion. Like a transition champion. Yeah, transition champion. Right, the right. same thing they did with superstar Billy Graham. Right. You know, oh, transition champion. Right and then what the Sheik was was a transistor mm-hmm. champion. A transistor. But I screwed up the whole thing because I didn't show up. I didn't show up for the match in Philly. Right. Chief Day Strongbow said, Tony, you don't want to miss this match, please. I Because I locked my keys in the car. He said, I get you a locksmith. I take you to the show. I come back. He was almost bagging me in the parking lot. I didn't know what was going on. I was a young, dumb kid full of, you know, steroids and drunk, half drunk. I got him. I, I left my car in the airport. The guy teased about it for forever. For, uh, <laughs> I left my car in the airport. I'm back in them days. If you had cash, you could get a ticket. Mm. You just pay the, pay the ticket. They put you on the plane back in them days yeah, before mm-hmm. 9-11. Right. So I went to L.A. and stayed with them. When I came back, they have, that, that's where they, you know, S.D. even talked about it. Mm-hmm. If you watch the Hall of Fame speech, he said they kick him to the curb and put Rock in his place. Because mm-hmm. he was my original part. But Vince never pushed me to that lover again after they took the belt off me and Rock. And they never, because they didn't know when I was going to take off on him. I did, a, you know, you talked to Jim Bronzel. Me and him was, you know, we were the, the, the first team to beat Animal and Hawk, War Warrior. Did not know that. I walked out on him. I was the main event. I was selling out everything in AWA, and me and Jumpin' Jim Bronzel were the were the AWA tag team champion. I took Vern Garnier's place, and and we beat the the, the, the Legion of Doom, uh, the first team to ever beat them in in uh what that place, the Showboat in in, in Los, Los Angeles, Vegas. Yeah. in Las Vegas, the Showboat. Cause Vern used to run Vegas, yep. and, and and then uh, we got that Vince called me and said, Tony, I got an alpha trip. We really want to use you for it. 
And I said, I went and talked to Vern about it. Vern said, are you sure when you're coming back? I said, I'll be back. I'm just going to do the same for Africa. I come back. He said, okay, make sure you come <coughs> back. So then I, I, when I get my ticket from Vince, it's a one-way ticket to Toronto, Canada. So I said, oh, well, maybe the rest of the stuff is, is in Canada. I'm not thinking. So then I, I, I that we did, Vince wanted me to, 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 he said, Tony, you're on certain, certain maps. I said, wait, this don't look right. I didn't want to be a shit disturber because I'm already on the shit list in a lot of territories anyway. So I said, why would Vern Gagne allow me to work Vince's television? Well, you know, I, I didn't understand it. So he said, well, when you agreed to take the Africa trip, you also agreed to come back to work here. And I said, well, let, I got to call Vern to, you know, to let him know what's going on. Because I said, I'd much rather be here than, than with Vern anyway. And he said, don't worry about it. I, I, I took care of it. It's okay with Vern. Well, in 2006, Vern went into the Hall of Fame with me. Vern came up to me and said, kid, we have so many plans with you. He said, he said, we were, and there's another guy told me, we were going to give you the belt. We were going to have you to beat Nick Bockwinkel. And you walked out on us. Mm. That was the second time I was told the same thing. So that was twice I passed up a chance of being world champion. Mm. Not knowing about it. I was just, I was just a stupid, you know. I had, I had, like old Anderson, every time he, he, he used me, he said, do you have your head on straight? Because my problem was, and I'm not trying to blow my own horn or nothing, but in real life, couldn't nobody beat me. And I had a hard time laying down. I had a 600 pound, uh, a 650 pound bench, 800 pound squat, and I was quick as a cat. And I, I fought in the Golden Gloves. I had 26 boxing matches, 26. I lost one out of 26. I was four years state collegiate champion, two years Greco-Roman champion. Mm. So a roll-up from Jose Estrada is out of the question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, 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 and I was just, I was just, just a rugged, yeah. I street fight my whole life. Right. I mean, you know, you read my book, you know, but by the time I was 12 years old, I've been in over 50 fights. By the time I was 12. When, when I was 11 or 12, 13 years old, my daddy take me to Scrap corner in Lowmore, Virginia. Everybody in Lowmore and Clutterford in my hometown, they know about this. That's why I was the first wrestler that they used in their hometown. Because I got what we call a high tolerance to pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had women that punched me and kicked me in the face for fun. Mm -hmm. It don't hurt. See, a woman hit you like I'll kick you in the face with big heavy boots, she break your freaking jaw. Mm -hmm. But my dad used to make bets. He taught me how to where to hit a person at, to catch him on his chin. Mm -hmm. And he taught me how to hit. He mm -hmm. said, if you ever hit a man, he don't go down, he gonna walk around behind him and see what's holding him up. Mm -hmm. So he said, son, I'm gonna teach you. He said, you don't need to know all that fight. You just know how to just... That one good punch. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I practice, I practice, I practice. I got that one good fucking punch. That when I hit you, you got to go. You're not going to stay here. Mm -hmm. If you, if you stand and after I tag you, I'm gonna walk back and you see what's on you. So I had this thing about me right. that I knew you can't beat me. Right. I didn't give a fuck how big you were. I remember S. D. Jones used to always tell me I wanted to fight Andre so bad I didn't know what to do. I could taste it. I did. I wanted to fight Andre. S. D. Jones, that. Man. No shoot! You want yeah. you want to fight Andre in a shoot? Yes. Oh, okay. I wanted it so bad. I, I, I who means it? Did you hear I that? I could yes. almost taste it, but I'm oh a, God, it, bro. It, I learned my lesson about that. So anyway, hey. uh, I, I end up in Japan, and guess who I got across the ring from? Oh yeah, Andre the Giant. Andre the fucking Giant. <laughs> oh. And as he kept saying, "Boss man, you don't want to fuck with the Giant." 
The Jack will kill you. The Jack will kill you. You're, 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 you're fucking stupid. You, you have too much gimmick. Too much gimmick. Too much gimmick. You can't beat the fucking giant. You can't beat the giant. I don't care. I'm strong, y'all. You can't beat the giant. You can't beat the giant. I said, SD, I tag the motherfucker. I'm going to drop him like a tree. The bigger they are, the harder. But don't go for Andre. Don't go for Andre. They're stupid. They're stupid. They're stupid. They're stupid. So anyway, I wrestled Andre. I got a picture of him. He's on the internet. Yeah. What did you do? So I'm wrestling Andre. <laughs> And all of a sudden, out of my head, I had a pretty good drop kick. Oh, here we go. I tried to drop kick Andre to knock him off his feet. Right. Oh, you ever shoot a bowling arrow? Yeah. This is Andre. This is Andre. I go up, I hit Andre, I go through the rope. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Andre reached over, grabbed by the top of my fucking head. Felt like some, a pair of vice pride. He lifted me up I, off from the floor. From the fucking floor the to planet? the mat by my head. Oh my god! I felt I'm I'm, I'm like my feet is kicking in the fucking hair like like this. I had no idea what I was messing with. Right. I never met a man like oh. like this. Andre put me up to the ring. What you doing? I said, I won't do that no more. He said, he said, he said, okay, and he released me. I dropped to okay. the fucking floor. Now he gets in the ring, but now he's going to punish me. Oh. He said, I'm not going to check your oil. I said, good. What do you mean by check your oil? Andre, we lay oh. you on your stomach. No. Take his thumb yeah. and ram it up your butthole. Nice. <laughs> Great. And you couldn't move. Great. How are you going to get him weight over 500 pounds? You couldn't get him off of Human so what Andre did? what Andre did to me... He backed me up to the corner. Now a lot of people, you look at on TV, you don't. It don't look bad. Right. Yeah. He would take that big butt of his. <laughs> how did that feel, Sonny? Oh, it felt like a car body. was backing into you. I wrestled Andre about six times, and you could feel his I body weight shift on top of you. Uh, yeah, he, he never checked my oil. No, I'm gonna get that straight. He never checked my oil, but uh, no. you could feel that weight shift. And whenever he pinned you, or, yeah. or back you into the wow. corner. My God. Woo. I forgot about fighting Andre right away. Right freaking the away. Then, right. then I, I still was thinking I'm the toughest guy in wrestling. You sent Pat after him. And then, and, then, <laughs> and, then I, and then I met around, I met Harley Race. Oh, man. So, okay. I, I, met, I, met, I met Harley Race. So we're in a bar one time. The guy messed with Harley. They messed with Harley. Well, I met Harley earlier. Mm. To back up a little bit, uh, I met Harley earlier when, when I was about 19 years old. Harley was wrestling in, um, he was wrestling somewhere in uh, in Missouri or somewhere mm-hmm. in Kansas City, yeah, Missouri, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there was a bunch of these rednecks, and I was scared to go to my car, because yeah. I'm the only black guy, not only in the whole building, in the whole fucking town. Right. You know, it was an all-white town. I, mean, I, <laughs> I didn't see no black people nowhere. So I'm sitting in the dressing room, Harley said, hey, kid, what are you going to do, stay here all night? And I said, no, Harley. I, I said, I'm scared of these people out there. He said, don't worry. He said, anybody fuck with you, he didn't tell me you're a good friend of Harley Waits. I whooped everybody in this town. But that's when I was young. Later, we're in a bar at the Ramada Inn in, 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 in um, um, Atlanta. And some guy was talking about fake wrestling and this and that. And I started to get up to whoop ass. Harley said, you just sat here and watched this kid. He went around the fucking bar. Bang, bang, bang. Knocked out all three guys. Hit him out of a sucker. I said, well, Tony, forget about fighting fucking Harley. <laughs> <laughs> forget about fucking fighting Check Harley Check that off race. your bucket list. Harley off. Harley race off. Mm. So I Two learned later guys. on in my life that there, 
a lot of guys that didn't want to fight me, mm. I found out it was a psychological thing that I did. They was looking at my belt, and they had convinced themselves they couldn't beat me. Mm. That's why it was so easy for me to beat people, because once they look at me, I can't beat that fucking guy. Yeah, well, but right. for guys that didn't smart. give a shit about right. that, like right. Andre or Harley Race, right. like I, I remember one time, Butch Tonga. Green, y'all had him on the show. Yep. You ever tell you about him and Harley fighting Harley? No. Harley nearly killed him. Really? Harley beat Butch Reed so bad it was prolifer. <laughs> it was prolifer. And Harley was, was stone freaking drunk. Butch kept giving him shit. And Butch were... Really? Yeah, okay. Butch is huge. One punch. <laughs> nice, I mean, you said anybody about Harley Race and it's been Harley Race was a guy you did not want to fight. Well, that's what they wanted. Ric Flair was a tough SOB. Tommy Rich was tough. They would not put the belt on you unless that's you right. could fight. Yeah, right. Now... You couldn't whoop your weapon out of a wet paper bag and they put the title. Because we was always among Sonic and we was yeah. always among the fans. When you walk to your, if you was a hero, <coughs> you had fit Finley. They just shoot at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You asked him, you asked some of these stories. Because we, there was no separation between us and the fans. We we we, we travel with them. We go, you go to the hotel. All the arena reps was at the hotel. Yeah. All the fans was at the hotel. They knew where we stayed at. They knew where we ate at. They knew they knew our schedule. They knew where we where we live and everything. They knew what town you were flying into, what airport, what airline. They, they showed it. So they kept up with wrestling. So if if, if you got into him, I'm not going to call this guy name. He's a good friend of mine. I just gave this hint. He was at the show today, but I I, 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 I always told this story, but I never. Use his name. He was in a town one time. I'm not even going to name the town because then you start putting two and two together. I love this guy. I love him. Loving him to death. And uh, he was in a town one day, and, and we had, all of us had different, we had a study girl that we see. Well, anyway, he met a new girl. Mm. So the old girlfriend showed up. So they got into it. The old girl didn't like the idea of him being with this new girl. So she went home and told her brothers. So they're going to come back. To teach this guy a lesson. Yeah. When they looked in, they saw who it was. So they said, oh shit, we don't want to mess with him. He's so and so. He's so and so. So anyway, they said, one guy came up out there. So they went there and started banning him shots. They got him sloppy, freaking drunk, where he could barely walk. Right. They said, oh, let me help you to the car, brother. Well, he had three more guys waiting out outside with pick handles. Jesus. So when he got outside the bar, they beat the crap up. You probably know who I'm talking about. With, oh. with pick handles. You hear about this, right? With pick handles, he came to the, the he would he just won the belt. He came to the the, the match the following day. The promoter fired him. He's got his ass kicked. If you lose a fight with a mob, That's right. you was fired. You're done. That's why we gorilla monsoon with Muhammad Ali <coughs> ring with monsoon. Monsoon picked his ass up and threw him into the third row. You could not lose to uh, Mike Tyson. You could not lose to Muhammad Ali. You could not lose to Bruce Lee. You you could lose to one of the boys. Right. But not to a not, fan. Not or you yeah. was gone. Mm-hmm. You was gone. So they was very, very careful. I remember when they first wanted to put the belt on me. They were going to take the belt off of Ken Patero and make me the Mid Atlantic champion. Inter- Intercontinental champion. No, no, that was uh, oh, uh, Mid Atlantic. Mid Atlantic. And they want to put the belt okay. on me. I remember Paul Jones, who was real popular. They don't talk about him much. They were real popular. They were Paul Jones. Yeah. Right. Him yeah. and Wahoo McDaniel, Rufus R. Jones, and Black Mac Jack Mulligan. Was, was in the room talking because we used to go in there to pick up our checks and then all the top guys would stay so they could discuss what they're going to do for the rest of the week. 
They say you're gonna be like they say, Tony, you're gonna be married to to Sonny here, which means we're gonna be working a program. Working together. Yeah, we're gonna be working against each other. So we were just discussing what or what we gonna what you know you know what we're gonna do for the whole week. What you know, towns, what angles, that, whatever. Yeah, what angle we're gonna do and how we're gonna make this work. We all knew what the final outcome was gonna be, but how are you gonna get to that point? Mm. But anyway, I rode with Rufus R. Jones and I put my mom uh George uh one of the wrestlers, I came up with Blackjack or Wahoo that said, Can he fight? And uh Wahoo. One, of, one of well part of Wahoo, Wahoo said, Can he fight? Said we know he's a good wrestler, but wrestling got nothing to do with street fight. Can mm-hmm. he street fight? And uh I remember the guy said, Well, I know somebody could find out for him, but they had this now there's another tough SOB that would not fight. Sweet Hansen. Yeah. Big sweet. <laughs> Brother, Godzilla, looked like him, fought like him, and it's so freaking strong. I took him to the gym for the first day of my life. He bench pressed 500 pounds. Wow. Never worked out a day in his life. Just a natural, we call him raw, raw strength. Had that raw, raw strength. Kind of like John Leon or Jonathan. The right. same thing. He was like raw strength. Never worked out, but just incredibly strong. So he take me to this bar. I walked in. They got a Confederate flag, Stonewall Jackson here. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Robert E. Lee there. It's looking good so far. Come oh, on. Yeah. Now I'm sitting there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the other walk in this freaking bar. Bikes on outside. Harley Davidson bike. People in the bar with colors. You know, with colors on sure. it, right? Yep. So, you know, you see colors. You, 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 you got trouble. problems, yeah. You got problems. So, anyway, this girl, they had a little strip little strip place and pool tables, all that old fashioned bar. They had everything pool tables, strippers, food, beer, just like a war that bar. So anyway, the girl came over and she said, Hi, how you doing? I said, I'm, I'm doing okay. She slapped me and said, Nigga, don't you keep texting me? I said, I didn't text you. The guy from the table took a pool ball okay. and put it in his fist. Came over and drilled me right in the fucking face. Wow. With a pool ball in his fist. Another guy whacked me across the back with a pool ball. The guy on the bar threw a beer mug at me and tried to leg down me. Well, I started just swinging. Like crazy, I mean, I'm scared enough. I don't know if I got hit or if I'm bleeding or sure. something broke. I get outside. The guy that brought me to the bar, he's sitting there with his arm folded. He said, "Hey, very good kid, you can fight." He gave each one of the guys twenty bucks. Oh my god! Wow. They wanted to see if I could fight. Yeah, yeah. The, well, they found uh, out back then. Uh, they used to test you to they, see if you were. That's yeah. right. It was hazing. They did hazing, and they wouldn't put the belt on just anybody. Sure. And that's why a lot of people didn't like Hogan because they, he was never hazed. See, they knew Harlem. They, they knew the Briscoe. The Briscoe <coughs> now, wait a minute. The, the, the Briscoe there was Warrior. a difference there because Hogan, even though, you know, when he first started, he wasn't, he wasn't a, had an amateur background or anything no, like that. No. But I'll tell you what made him, okay, and what made everybody start respecting him because he trained with Matsuda. 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 Matsuda, Matsuda so broke his leg. Right? He, he did break he did. Yeah. I was there. And then he came back. That's why they respected Damn him. Damn right. He and back. he came back saying he that he it. respected Hero for what he did. That's right, yeah. And I was there when he did it, man. I mean, see, Hogan didn't have a, a, a fair chance in the, in the beginning. No. Because they were afraid of him because he was so big. Well, no, they they didn't want him to be a wrestler because he was there because he was so big, and they he thought was, he was a bass player, was club right? He was a musician, and, and, and they yeah, didn't right, respect yeah. him. That's so that. I remember my father, everybody saying, "Man, you know, you know, Matsudo was going to train him, and if he could go through what 
Matt Suda did. That's right. And he deserved it, right? Well, let me tell you something. Hogan hung out and he got his leg broken and he came, came back. back. And plus, he learned how to shoot from Matt Suda. Yeah. So I'm sorry. You put someone that size that knows how to shoot, yeah. you better believe he's tough. Yeah. You know? And that was the thing. He trained with Matt Suda. You know what? Anybody can go through his training, I'm sorry, deserve to be in this business. Hulk Hogan is a tough dude. All right, guys. When we came to WWF, the guys had a different perspective on him because they wanted to haze him. Because they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know. They wanted to haze him. All right, we got about a minute left. Can each of you just uh, have final thoughts on Rocky Johnson? Go around the circle. I miss him. I love him. We had our ups. We had our downs. But show him my wife. I have ups and downs with my wife. Had ups and downs with my daughter. I still love my daughter. I still love my wife. And I still love and miss Rocky Johnson. He was a great talent. I wish he was here now. I'm going to miss the hell out of him. I have no ill feeling towards him. I have nothing bad to say about him. And I just really, really miss Rocky. He was he, he wasn't a bad guy. He was a good guy. We're all going to miss him. He was a good guy. Yeah, he was a great a man. Guy. Yeah, he was a good no guy. No doubt. Hell of a talent. Hell I mean, he gave us the rock. You know, Dwayne, so, you know, what's not to like about that? You know, he's the number one Hollywood movie star. Yeah. Now, and, and he's still as humble as ever. He's still doing humble. great things. He great things. Humble, yeah. I think uh, any parent who has a child is probably the greatest thing, no matter, you know, it's probably yeah, the greatest exactly. thing any, you know, man or woman could do. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming in today. What an incredible, this could have went on for day. three hours. I could have sat on that. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank the fans for tuning in. This has been Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. You can see us on iHeartRadio, Anchor, YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, Breaker, and also on cable on Channel 115 every Tuesday from 8.30 to 9 p.m. in the reduced version, and then on Saturday at Channel 115 mm. at 6 a.m. and soon to soon. be on Channel 20. Soon enough. Uh, stay tuned for WWE superstar Mr. Hughes in studio. Farrow? You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh until very shortly from now. Later.